Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to the 18th episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me is producer Mason in our Southern Illinois studio. And joining us from West St. Louis County is Sean Campbell. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm just great. Uh, excited to sit down and talk some soccer this week. I'm doing pretty well as well. My voice is starting to come back from Saturday. I may or may not have been at a hockey game. <laughs> Staying on the down low, are you? Yeah, just a little bit. At least you didn't. At least you didn't bring bad luck to the team. I think I brought the opposite yeah. to the team. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, thank you very much uh, for the last couple of episodes. This podcast has been getting well over a hundred plays on various outlets: uh, Apple, Spotify, Google our website we appreciate it very much and uh, if you haven't yet please go ahead and subscribe on your podcast application of choice and uh, be sure to rate and review it really does help the show i had a long show last week pretty good one but i think this week we're going to be a little bit shorter in time uh news just hasn't been filling the uh the ticker so far of this week but we do have some news about St. Louis City, especially with the Academy. They did play two games each, the U-16s and U-17s, with teams from Michigan. Uh, the U-16s just keep on winning. They got two wins, one in each game Saturday and Sunday. The U-17s had a draw against the Michigan Wolves and uh, did pull out a win against Vardar uh, on Sunday. Both teams are still undefeated at home, and... Uh, the U16s in MLS MLS next play and that is hard to say let me tell you they're 5 and 0 in the league while uh, the U17s are 3-3 and 2 in MLS next play and uh, the next time they play the U17s will be taking on Sporting Kansas City Academy uh this coming Saturday I believe and uh the U16s will be playing the Michigan Jaguars they'll be at home at the Creevecore Soccer Park, so if you're in the area, be sure to check that out. Also got an update, uh, supporters section season tickets went on sale. We're recording this on Tuesday. They went on sale one week ago this day, and uh, we did get ours, so we're in. We're going to be there rooting on the uh, team every, uh, every game day, as far as we can, uh, in the 2023 season. I did a quick look at SeatGeek for how the sales have gone. In the supporters section, and one week since the start, and a year and a half from the first game of play, there is still only 416 spots left in the supporters section, with, uh, what is it, right around 3,000 that were available. That's exceptional. Yeah, that's really, really impressive, especially for being so far out from the start of play, and uh, being a, an expansion team, we have no idea what they're going to look like, but just a... By, I've talked about it. Uh, people in St. Louis have a lot of pride for their sports teams. Um, you you kind of get like the two million built-in fans when you when you bring a team here. And uh, the reserve seats are not gone up to sale yet. I haven't heard when that's planning on the windows opening for that. Supporter sections you can sell out sooner. Um, going to be hardcore supporters. Going to be wanting to get in there. Standing room only. Safe standing section. It's not for everyone. But what a start. Uh, kicking off stadiums coming along uh, academies already started uh, this year off because of covid uh, really seems to have set up city for well they're setting up well for success long term expansion year in the first year 
on the field will have to be seen. That's always a crapshoot. And uh, really, that's all the St. Louis City news that I have this week, except uh, can tell you, we talked about it last week, uh, that we are planning to go on November 13th to the St. Louis Scott Gallagher, St. Louis City SC Academy matchup at uh, Sports Park in St. Louis. Did find out the St. Luligans are going to be there with a tailgate. About a chance to meet and greet old friends, and uh, we do encourage you to come out, meet us, meet all the supporters, and uh, that will be tailgate starts at 4. I believe game time is at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on that day. So, something to look forward to. I know we're really looking forward to it. Very excited to go back to Soccer Park. Miss that place. I bet a lot of people have said the same. Should be a good matchup, too. In-town rivalry. Actually, a an away game for uh, St. Louis City Academy, but just a bus ride down the road, basically. Not a lot uh, not a lot of news out there, So, but the big news right now that we have to share is coming from MLS. And, of course, we want to cover MLS because St. Louis City SC will be playing in MLS, so we're keeping an eye on all that. And uh, this week, we as always, we start off with our Sporting Kansas City moment with Sean Campbell that we do because we do know there's a lot of people who are going to be supporting St. Louis City out there but have been supporting sporting to have an MLS team in the area for quite some time. And the highlight of this week, Sean will highlight it for us. What do you have for us this week, Sean? Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy. He He's a professional wrestler. He named The Rock. Uh, he tweeted about the Sporting KC game, and he kind of hit the nail on the head. Tim Melia may or may not have dropped an absolutely deserved rock bottom on Christian Roldan. You know, you just straight up suplexed him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, did he need to do that? No. Was it? Oh, no. <laughs> definitely not. I, he definitely should deserved? have gotten... Yes, very much so. Uh, deserved? I don't know <laughs> if that was deserved. Did... It's certainly funny. I'm, I'm sorry. Foul him. <laughs> Fouled him really badly. I mean, he backed him. He backed Melia straight up into his own net. Melia's allowed that space just as much as Roldan is. And if he gets it taken away, he, Melia has a right to fight for it. Should he have done it that way? No. But, you know, if you're going down anyway, you may as well. You may as well take someone with you. It's funny. It's funny to see someone suplex someone on a soccer pitch. I got to be honest. Like, it's OK. Like, I feel OK saying that since everyone's OK. No one's got hurt. If someone had been hurt, I wouldn't be saying that it's funny, maybe. But since everyone's fine, it's funny. It's really funny. Even funnier is the fact that Melia got away with just a yellow card, even <laughs> though that is obvious in the laws as a dangerous play. Whistle being blowed or da- or not, that'd be damned. Um, Peter Vermees, this afternoon I did get a report from someone that he's still waiting to hear from Disco if they he's gonna, Melia ends up with a suspension for that. We'll find out. You never know in MLS. We're in the CONCACAF region. Things happen. Yeah. We are, we're on our way to seeing someone get throw a DDT on the ice in an NHL game. You want someone to die? Because that's how someone <laughs> dies, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one wouldn't be so funny, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Sporting did take that uh, win against Seattle, tightening up the uh, Western Conference. And uh, that winning goal, what was it in the 80th minute, Sean? 
Um, I actually am not 100% sure. I didn't get to watch the second half because I was at the hockey game. Ah, well, uh, came out of nowhere to me. I was watching the game. Sporting KC's just sort of kicking it around. They're holding possession. Get in, bring it back out, comes across the half line. I'm not paying a lot of attention. Uh, they didn't give up possession, though. And I look up, and all of a sudden, there's a, a that, what's the word I want to use? Divisive pass into Johnny Russell. Splits the defense of the Sounders, which had held up pretty well. And uh, Russell scores, uh, breaks the tie, and uh, Sporting KC go ahead and beats the Sounders at Lumen Field in Seattle. Uh, not a shocking result, but a pretty physical matchup. No matter what happened in goal, the rest of it was quite physical, as opposed to when they had matched up a few weeks back at uh, Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, which was quite technical and well-played. This one was a pretty brutal affair with a lot of yellows thrown around, a lot of hard tackles everywhere. But in the lead-up to that goal for Kansas City, uh, I think the count was 38 or 39 passes they had in possession. Uh, took nearly two minutes of game time until they broke down the Sounders' defense and cut that in. As I said, I wasn't paying that much attention. I had some other things going on. Looked up, they still had the ball, and next thing I know, they got the ball in the net. And uh, Seattle had pretty much in the second half had control of the game. Melia was making great saves. They peppered him. But uh, Sporting Kansas City waltzed in and walked out with the three points, and that tightens it up in the Western Conference. I believe tight is an understatement at the top there, (laughs) considering when you look at it, we're three points back of first place with a game in hand, and we're tied on points with Colorado. I, I, I don't think it could get much tighter. No, and consider Colorado did get the big win this week, and uh, they hadn't really been performing all that well, but they're in shouting distance to actually take the West. MLS is crazy, and we've only got three or four games left for all the teams out there. Uh, there is actually a game tonight, LAFC is hosting Seattle, and word is Carlos Vela may be in the game for that. Haven't heard that Raul Ruiz Diaz will be in for Seattle, still without uh, Ladero, still without Jordan Morris. Uh, It's actually a big game for Seattle, and uh, if Vela's in and LAFC is fighting for their playoff lives, they really need three points. This could be an exciting matchup tonight on Tuesday. When you listen, the game will be over, so... And you'll already know what happens. That's right. So as I mentioned, there's only a few weeks left in the MLS season. I believe uh, there's midweek games, weekend games, midweek games next week, and then Sunday is the final day of the the league when all of the uh, conferences will play each other uh, all at the same time on that. And that should be quite exciting because these races are incredibly tight, especially in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just keeps getting tighter in the East because, um, you know, Red Bulls have been on an absolute tear lately, taking, what was it, they played LAFC, or not LAFC, NYCFC three times in the last month, took points in every single game, and they're climbing back up the standings. Uh, they're currently in sixth in a playoff spot, uh, tied on points. 
uh, with goal difference over, uh, well, tiebreaker over Atlanta uh, for that. Uh, Atlanta's still in that last spot. Uh, NYCFC, after being in a downfall, climbs back up to fifth. It's wonder what one seven-goal win or six-goal win over uh, DC United will do for you. Uh, yeah, absolutely smoked them. Yeah, that game was over in 10 minutes as uh, NYCFC jumped out to a 3-0 lead. DC's, again, having injury problems. As many as seven regular players weren't playing in that game. And now DC United is sitting below the playoff line, uh, two points behind Atlanta. In ninth place in the conference. Tells you it's a little tight in the east. Not tight at the top, though. New England Revolution... Uh, with the Kansas City win over Seattle, had wrapped up the supporters' shield, and then they went in, played Orlando, rested a bunch of starters. Get with about 30 minutes to go, Orlando's winning 2-0. They bring in their starters, get them some run. The Revs just took it to them, and uh, thanks to uh, Busca and his two goals, were able to get a, a draw out of that and steal the points that Orlando kind of needs right now. They're probably safe. But they're not that far ahead of the uh, playoff line. But there's a lot of teams between them and the playoff line, so I'd have to say maybe they're safe. Yeah, it's it's getting really tight down there at the bottom of the table in both conferences, but especially in the East. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to what to make of this Atlanta United team though, because every time they start to show us <laughs> that they can do it, they have a stretch where they just can't finish games, and then they drop some more. So I I. 100% would not count out Montreal stealing that spot or even DC. It it really is going to come down to decision day on that one for sure. It is cuz Atlanta had the game against NYCFC and then had a breakdown at the very end of the game, allowed the equalizer and uh, lost two points there and also gave two points to NYCFC, which really boosted them from below the line all the way up into what? 6th Fifth in the conference? They're fifth now, so... Yeah, all the way up to fifth. So, one big week. No idea what the matchups are going to be coming in. Uh, the East, there's a, some locks. We know New England's a lock. They're a lock for Supporters' Shield and home home cooking all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, and that was a matter of time, really. Philadelphia, dupe. Uh, had a swoon there. They were involved, played the semifinals in CCL. Uh, but all of a sudden, they're winning games, and uh, and they're now in second place as they've climbed against Nashville in uh, tiebreakers, which in this case is actually wins because Nashville draws all the time. But Nashville's a lock as well, and a team nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Uh, Orlando, not necessarily a lock, but uh, sitting there in fourth place, there's a lot of teams and a few points between them and the line with four games to go. They're kind of swooning. It's possible uh, that everything could uh, drop out, the bottom drop out on them. But I think we're going to see Orlando in. Who's going to be the other three teams at the bottom? No idea. No idea. Especially with the Red Bulls who, you know, what, three, four weeks ago? They were toast. We're ca Everybody was counting them out. All of a sudden, their coach, Struber, Gerhard Struber, got the... Uh, Figured out his lineup, did a little shift in the uh, formation. Uh, the players seem to have picked up on that. 
high-pressure system that uh, Lutz Finest Steel wants to implement with uh, St. Louis City SC. They finally figured it out. They're winning those 50-50 battles uh, throughout the field, and that gives them an advantage to score, and they're able to knock them in right now. So something to keep an eye on. Any other people out there in the East, Sean, that you think are going have any chance at all in disturbing this? Um, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get technical about disturbing and unrest, I mean, Chicago and Toronto are out here playing absolute spoilers, and I'm talking like F1 Formula One car size spoilers. Um, even though they're eliminated, but they are taking points away from teams that really need them, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yep, it happens. A couple of names coming out of those two teams. Uh, the uh, goalkeeper for Chicago Fire. What is he, 17 or 18, Slovenia? Yeah. He's putting on a show. Uh, and then Josie Altador with the game-winning kick for uh, Toronto comes out, has been on the sidelines, looks a lot thinner and a lot healthier than he has in years. Uh, of course, like he's been for Toronto lately, he shows up after they're already eliminated and scores a goal. But I guess you do what you take. We'll see if he's back with them or if they find a way to get him off of the books and his DP money off the books in Toronto after this season. Yeah, Toronto in particular has the ability to really uh, really mess up someone else's year because they've got games coming up against both Atlanta and D.C., so if they could if they could pull off something interesting there, they yeah, they they've already sealed their fate, but they could be instrumental in sealing someone else's too. Uh the only thing with Toronto, they haven't played that particularly poorly all year, but they defensive mistakes just kill them. And the same thing could be said about Chicago. Now they figure it out when they're out, now they can ruin somebody else's party for the whole year. And DC with all the injuries, they look in trouble. I think one team we can count out, though not officially out of it, is the defending MLS Cup champions, Columbus Crew. They're sitting five points behind the line and even under the line. They have to climb over Miami, D.C., Montreal, and then somebody else that's above the line to get in the playoffs and continue in this just absurdly crazy trend of a Caleb Porter team being really good one year and really bad the next. And it's been going on for years ever since he was in Portland and did it after they won the cup and then didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, not mathematically eliminated, but basically eliminated. Same thing can be said about Miami, too. They're in the exact same spot. They're both five mm -hmm. points back with three games left. And I just don't see it from these guys. I just don't see it. Yeah, Miami, I could see a little bit more than Columbus, but yeah, not really. They're too far back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the big question is, who's playing Cincinnati? Uh, I had just looked. They uh, Cincinnati is playing um, Atlanta, I think, in their last game. But they're they're playing Nashville and Philadelphia, and those guys aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Atlanta, though, if Cincinnati could pull off something really special, they could mess some stuff up there, too. There's 20 bucks says they're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't take that bet. <laughs> I think they want to keep the wooden spoon because they're going to save money on shipping, and they're going to take that money and either not use it or waste it on the transfer market. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what we're going to see. And uh, 
in the Western Conference, well, three teams are deadlock. They're going to fight it out for the title. Seattle, Sporting KC, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. They're, I mean, Colorado's nine points ahead of Portland. They're already all have clinched. Uh, Portland, though, after that great run, they won four in a row. We're tearing everybody up. They've now lost three in a row, and they're finding themselves just uh, four points ahead of RSL, who is right now outside of the playoffs. And five back from LAFC. Those two teams are definitely within striking distance. With four games to play here at the end of the season, yes. If LAFC gets Carlos Vela in and they somehow manage to score goals with all of the tremendous, they're still creating tremendous amounts of opportunities in most games. They could score goals. They could really fumble everything up in the Western Conference. Galaxy plugging along, can't call them a lock. But they are four points ahead of RSL. RSL's up and down. They win one week, then they lose a game they probably should have won. They're all over the place. Vancouver, however, since they got Ryan Gold, they're an exciting attacking team, and I'm looking forward to watching them down the stretch as they sit in the seventh and last playoff spot in the West. Uh, they're pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely do not want to sleep on the Whitecaps. Um, whoever matches up with them in the first round, I, I'm putting them on upset alert immediately. Upset alert. And a big shout-out to Ryan Gall, the uh, Scottish Messi, who uh, came over mid-season when RS, I mean, Vancouver was nowhere. They were just nowhere. Uh, had a coaching change, brought him in, and now they're really about the most fun team to watch in the attacking of anyone in the whole league. There's other teams that have a shout at that, of course. One team we're not mentioning out West, but I don't think anybody really wants to match up with is the Minnesota Loons. Uh, They were so close to going to MLS Cup last year. It took a miracle Sounders comeback in the last 15 minutes to keep them out. And uh, Matt Doyle on Extra Time Radio and MLSsoccer.com often says that... uh, Minnesota seems to be a team made more for a one-off in the playoffs with uh, Bebe Ronoso and some of their attacking talent they have on that team. Uh, They can make a run like they did last year and surprise everyone. They're not really built for the long haul of the season. So it's up to keep the eye on, though they're not comfortable by any stretch, and they could find themselves as somebody out unless they really get into shape heading into the playoffs with four games to go. Yeah, and they've got nothing but meaningful matches coming. Um, sporting, not so much, but that's going to be a tough game for them. And then Vancouver and L.A., uh, the Galaxy. The Texas teams, well, there's nothing to say about them. Well, not true. Austin is uh, looking a lot better. Actually, they look fairly good. A lot of mistakes. Look like an expansion team. Had nobody put the ball in the in the goal. Dreesy came in. Finally got into the game. They're scoring. They're winning some games. They're playing a lot better. Uh, not someone you really want to take lightly. It seems like they've got something to fight for after, as they were plunging to the bottom of the Western Conference, they seem to have got that, uh, you know, the despair that hits expansion teams when things aren't going their way. They're picking things up. And for FC Dallas, it's all about the peppy watch. Word came out today. Uh, Sky German 
Sky Germany was reporting that Stuttgart in the Bundesliga uh, with their American coach, Mazzarato, Mazzarati, unsure. Uh, I knew it. Now I forget it. Uh, anyway, that they had put in a $12 million bid that was accepted by FC Dallas. Uh, that was found out to be completely untrue as reporters checked with everyone on the side. The reporting with this also is FC Dallas is not going to move him for $12 million. With so many teams and so many big teams and big players in Europe after him, uh, they said to expect somewhere at least the starting price will be a minimum of $15 million plus add-ons plus sell-on clause. And if there's a bidding war, that could go much higher and he could break uh, with the transfer records of Alfonso Davies from Vancouver and uh, Miguel Almaron of Atlanta United. So that's the big watch there. Uh, the big thing other with that is Jesus Ferreira, been quiet, disappeared, used to be a national team member. He's suddenly having a good season here at the end once they put Pepe in. Either the playoff of them, Pepe's movements in the box has freed up her Ferreira, taking a... Uh, toll on defenses that aren't watching for Ferreira. That's something else. At least they got something there. And then there's the Dynamo. Does anybody care about the Dynamo unless they have some shock win over Seattle or something like that? Well, they did it before. They can do it again. They can. I don't even know if people in Houston care if the Dynamo win or lose. <laughs> I mean, with with the battle for the bottom going on, it's their, their game still means something. So they can say they're the best in Texas, but <laughs> I, I think it's I, well I don't think they're catching uh yeah but they do have a they've got a game against Montreal they could play spoiler they really hurt Seattle Seattle rotated heavy went down to Houston and lost what one nil that's a and Seattle all of a sudden uh without with Rui Diaz out and no Lodero no Morris all year they played so well such depth such a team culture but it's a long season, and it seems like the pressure of trying to make up all these losses, uh, which are some of their very best players, is kind of taking a toll. The chances just aren't coming that much. But Seattle's still a dangerous team. Uh, as they really had Sporting KC pretty much dominant for about uh, 35 minutes of the second half in that latest game, but they didn't get the win, and that's kind of what's happening to Seattle right now. Yeah, one thing I'm noticing, especially as we're talking about teams lower down on the table, there's no one's like completely out of the action. Either you're fighting for a spot or you could play spoiler. Nobody's really just done already with some like notable exceptions. But uh, San Jose's not got a lot to play for right now, unless it's Matias Almeida's job. I'm it's not gonna, sure. Yeah. It's going to take a miracle for the for the earthquakes to make the playoffs. They're about as done yeah. so as the crew. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they're not anywhere near the bottom of the pack. They're just plugging along. Yeah, they're, they're just there. They're just there. They're one of the few teams that doesn't have much going on coming into the end of the season. Because even even since he could pull something off and you know be be a heartbreaker, <laughs> wouldn't that be fitting? Yeah, <laughs> I hope the heartbreaking isn't in on November twelfth when uh, Mexico comes to visit the U.S. in the World Cup qualifier and the heartbreak of Mexico beating the U.S. in Cincinnati. Uh, one thing we will say about Cincinnati is bad as they've been for three years, that fan base is still exceptionally good. 
how long that lasts, the team's got to get it together. They've got to keep that fan base engaged because they've really got a good fan structure there. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of coming up from USL. Uh, we're seeing all of the detriments that come from it, but one of the benefits is you've got your fan base that's already been supporting that club for a long time, and you can just build on it. Yeah, that's one thing City does have is this. The St. Luligans have been around for 11 years supporting teams. There's already the infrastructure, a very strong supporter base for others to come in and join when the big crowds, the 20,000 people, show up from game day. Any other big thoughts about MLS? One team we haven't talked about too much is the LA Galaxy, who went a long time without getting a win. They finally did get a win. They can play better. They have a chance of possibly beating anyone on their day, and that matters in the playoffs. Uh, but then they can also find themselves on the outskirts if things don't break their way here in the last three, four games of the season. Uh, you know, but can say that about all these teams. We've already said that about. Yeah, they've been pretty informed their last five. They're two, two, and one, but they're going to kind of be fighting for their lives because they're going up against Sporting in Seattle. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're going to put in some heavy work for sure. But one of those teams at the top, they could spoil. Galaxy aren't a pushover by any means, though they seem to sometimes be easily pushed over. Mm -hmm. Any other things that stand out in MLFs with you, Sean or Mason? I actually saw this while I was reading the power rankings today. Um, apparently, someone proposed at, the, at a Galaxy game and immediately after she says yes, Cabral scores and everyone stops caring about the proposal. And it's just, it's all about the team. And I just had to <laughs> laugh. That also happened with NYCFC. They come back to Yankee Stadium. Supporters had these big banners about how the team's failing in them, all this. And they jump out to a 3-0 lead 10 minutes and win 6 nothing, And uh, the banner disappeared during the game i guess <laughs> it's, it's, winning does cure a lot of ills yeah mysteriously vanished <laughs> but yeah that's about it uh big game on tuesday night which you'll know about and uh every game matters here on out for the most part and it, i didn't really study the schedule i don't know if there's any real true dead rubbers out there where it doesn't matter i'm sure there'll be a couple there's so many games in mls no one will pay any attention. But uh, looking forward to it and uh, should be exciting here for the last two weeks of the MLS season. Uh, it also gives hope that in the inaugural season with St. Louis City SC, a couple of breaks, some decent play, tight defense, maybe a late season run. Maybe they could be in this mix with, you know, two weeks to go in the season. It's not unheard of. I... With an expansion team, you never want to count on it. I can see it happening. One other thing that's happening, a couple of other things that are happening domestically, and this is for you, Sean. Uh, the Kansas City NWSL team has announced that they're going to build their own women's soccer-specific stadium in downtown Kansas City. The first women's NWSL standalone uh, stadium for a women's team in the league in the U.S. And it, it, yeah, as far as I know, it's the only one in North America. That's exciting news. And they're going to rebrand the team uh, that'll come out this Saturday. That's exciting news for soccer in the U.S. Yeah, that's very cool. It is kind of a bummer that we're going to be missing out on the uh, the 
Washington football team energy that the name Kansas City NWSL gave us, but that name can stick around forever. And it rolls so lightly off the tongue as well. Yeah. But big kudos to them for, for getting things together. And and I have to say that uh, the success of Sporting Kansas City, especially since their rebrand in galvanizing the city and it has been sustained, has really helped in pushing this in that city towards this. So tip of the hat. Tip of the hat to soccer in Kansas City and to soccer in Missouri. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, St. Louis may be the soccer capital. <laughs> but uh that no Kansas City absolutely loves loves their team supports their teams they're just as gung-ho about soccer as St. Louis is um I'm just I'm super excited for that first I-70 derby it's gonna be great so much energy it's gonna be awesome I took a look at the new at the tentative plans for the new stadium like they did a digital rendering of it and my god it's beautiful uh it's right on the river it's just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous stadium yes very very exciting stuff it's with everything that's gone on uh with the uh, nwsl in the last couple of months it's good to have some good news come out of that league it's good for the players to see something so positive come into that league after been everything's been so terribly terribly negative for so long uh very exciting and uh before we wrap this up uh, there's a game tonight. The United States are going to play South uh, Korea. The women's team. The women's team. And Carly Lloyd will be playing her last game for the USWNT. And uh, what, a, what a career she's had. Uh, she'll finish with 316 caps for the national team. The women generally play more times because it's the nature of the women's game. They play internationally a little bit more, but 316 caps for the national team, it's a long career, Uh, but it's also been accomplished. She has 134 goals playing for the national team, and that could increase tonight, and I'm betting that it will. Uh, She has two Olympic gold medals, two World Cup titles. Uh, She was twice named FIFA's the Women's World Player of the Year, and is just known for being a legendary winner that just goes out to win the game for her team. So it's good to give a notice out to such an accomplished warrior for the side, for the shield, for the flag, and for her sport. So tip of the cap to Carly Lloyd. Really an incredible talent. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful player. It's going to be sad to see her go, but this women's team is so deep there. It's next, next woman up. Um, even though you're going to be losing uh second person, a uh, woman who ranks second in appearances, fourth most in goals and fifth in assists for the team. You know, the fact that we still have enough players that can come up and fill the role is fantastic, but it's always sad to see someone like that go. Yeah. It's next woman up, but man, those are, Big boots to fill. Big boots oh, to yeah. fill. Any other uh, news, guys? Anything else to report this week? Kind of a slow week, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. all from me. Keep this one nice and tight. Thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. We've had more listeners than we ever anticipated at this point in doing this podcast. And so far ahead of the team, the excitement for St. Louis City SC is tangible in the numbers. 
and it's just going to grow and grow from here. And we're so excited to keep it going. Yeah. Well on our way to break in that 23 episode threshold where podcasts typically fall apart. So thanks for coming along on the ride with us. And I think that'll do it. I am your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm resident hooligan, Sean Campbell. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.